Hello, and welcome to the Humble Brag Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Mandel. It is my brother and co-host, however, that will be leading the conversation you're about to hear. It is a conversation between two brothers, in fact. One, Ari Mandel, our co-host, and an Ellie Mandel, from a place called Pennsylvania. Not sure if you've ever heard of that place. People, humans live there. Keep in mind, we're a family of 11. We're talking about eight boys and three girls. So there are quite a few characters to meet and a nice handful of perspectives to chew over. This episode walks you through some of the journey trekked by my brothers as they transitioned from ultra-Orthodox life to secular living. The word pious refers to being devoutly religious. However, pious is also the word for the side curls that ultra-Orthodox Jewish Hasidim grow on the side of their face. So the title of today's episode is fitting in more than just one way. What can I say? I like puns. Well, pun intended. Dive in as Ari and Ellie reminisce about the straws that broke the camel's back. In this case, the events that had the most profound effects on them choosing to leave their religious heritage and traditional life behind. Forgive them for any Yiddish or Hebrew words or sentences that were not translated. And please, enjoy. I'm here with Ellie Mandel, my third brother. And he and I have, uh, we've shared in, in some ways, we've, we've shared similar paths that we'll either get into here, we will get into, we will get into here, uh, and then I'll get into my own story at some point. But it's interesting, so, so talking to, uh, you know, at, recently, I would say in the last few years, I've noticed it's become more and more stark, the, the how different um, even though we grew up in the same house, um, because there's a lot of us, because there's 11 of us, and it was like, you know, over so many years, our parents changed, and the household changed, and it, it, it you know, it was very, it, and so I've noticed that it looks like, it, it almost to an, almost it seems like different siblings grew up in different houses, or different <laughs> right. households. So I feel like, for sure, the four oldest boys, maybe, maybe Ganeshi, She's the first girl. She was number, kid number five. She might have been that first group still. Like we, we I think, had the most similar experience. Sure. Right. Um, and to me, it was, it was mostly positive. I don't have, at least the home part, I don't have a whole lot of complaints. You know, it was, it was kind of the old-fashioned, you know, dad's at work all day, every day. Mom was at least in the beginning, she was home, she made breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like, we were, it, 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 she packed snacks we weren't missing for anything, everything every was great, yeah, everything was fine, look, at, you know, in hindsight, there was weirdness, but whatever, this is the reality we knew, it was fine, it was normal, later on, and then, over the years, we moved, and they changed, and the kids changed, and, and things got changed, and different, but so, so what I wonder about now is, so I especially, you know, especially the younger siblings, and again, like I said, the house changed, the household changed, so clearly it was a different experience. But, well, like I said, I, I have a mostly positive, out, you know, when I look back, I'm wondering how you felt, or you do feel now, looking back at... What we see now, like we were, we were different. Clearly, we were different. We were a family of Balshuvas. We were a family uh, of parents who had not grown up 
Orthodox and then became Orthodox and then it's like it was never enough and they had to, you know, it was always a little more, a little more, a little more. Keep moving to the Keep right. Keep moving to the right, exactly. Um, so we had like, we had these, we were living a fairly, it was, it was a hardcore small C conservative household, but we had these tiny little drips of, uh, you know, outside influences and whatever. Um, another person would look at our household and see Amish people, Hmm. but we had these little tiny little touches differences right Right. so we would go to school we had it we spoke english we could read english we we, it was different we didn't have movies at home but like you know we would listen to an audio version of star wars or something you know um wizard of oz right right right, exactly so to me i look back and it was a positive experience i didn't feel like a weirdo i knew i was a little different but i i I liked the fact that i spoke english you know what i mean I, i i didn't feel like a i didn't feel stigmatized i didn't feel weird through my entire childhood or growing up into whatever, I didn't feel like aware, but I, I definitely hear that from some of us. So I'm wondering what, how you feel looking back about that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I don't know, you know, because in my case, it's, well, you know, you went off the derech before, before anyone else. Right. Um, well, Nuchi was kind of ahead of me, but Nuchi was just, at the time, he was just being a, a it, brat. <laughs> the I way suppose. I saw it, you know, he was just um, getting in trouble. So they were like, "Get out of the house," you know what I mean? Yeah, but um, right, but yeah, I mean, sort of to make the decision fully, finally, as an adult, you did it. Um, <clears throat> but before that, I was the most rebellious one right. in the family. Yes, starting at, uh, to the best of my recollection, um, at the age of twelve. And I know it was, you know, I remember 12 specifically because at that time, um, my mother uh, got me a couple of books. One of them was Akiva Tatz. Akiva Tatz's book that name. was called um, The Thinking Jewish Teenager's Guide to Life, Yeah. which, which I took, you know, halfway as a compliment. Wow. I guess I'm now a thinking Jewish teenager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then there was uh, um, maybe Yaakov Salman, maybe. I don't remember anymore, but there were some other books by these you know, different people who, uh, who are there to rescue you from all your doubts. All your problems. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I was clearly unhappy. And I was unhappy before that, but it was less uh, theological. Uh, I wasn't happy that we couldn't play basketball or, or, or go rollerblading. You know, we were only right. allowed to, 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 to ride roller bikes. skates. Roller skates. Skates, right, not Because blades. that's older, right. I guess. Inline, inline uh, rollerblades were, yeah. were not allowed. Too goyish. Right. So I, I, was, I, had, I was already, excuse me, I had been complaining and unhappy for a while. Um, but you know, unlike Nate... Nuchi, I uh, kind of consciously, I think, made the decision not to be a quote-unquote bum because I saw these kids with the keys and mm. the, I don't know, long hair Lifting and the hat mockers, on yeah. a tilt, right? <laughs> uh, I saw them as, um, you know, if you'll excuse me, I saw them as losers. 
um, and 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 also they couldn't speak English. Like to me, they right. looked like they really looked and sounded like losers. You right. know. Um, so I thought, okay, I, I guess I want to do well. I'm not looking to be a loser, but but I'm not happy. I just don't know where to go with this. So th- over the years, uh, from again from at least from the time I was 12, I would uh, over the every couple of years or so it would flare up again. I'd, I'd, I'd start thinking about it again, about stuff, about religion, about what we're doing, and I didn't like it, but I'd always come back to the same conclusion. All right, just stick it out and, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll, out. We'll, yeah, we'll That's see That's really interesting because I, I, I marvel at myself looking back. I wasn't dumb. I wasn't even, I wasn't that clueless. We were all big readers. We read... We didn't really read a ton of outside books, but we we had our like I said, we had our outside influences. But I was just very, um, I don't even know. To me, Ms. Dick might be putting it too harshly. I was just like, I accepted whatever they told me. If you say God created the world in five six days and then rested on the seventh, five hundred <laughs> five thousand seven hundred whatever years ago, like whatever. Okay, yeah. okay. If you say so, sure. Right. If you say everybody knows that we have all the answers sure. and the Pope isn't a Hasidic sheet because he's a Baltaiva, okay. If you say so, you know. Like right. I was just very, I was very accepting, and so like until years later, until I was married and had a kid, and like, like I had to, I had to like, I had to have my world sh- shaken or rattled before I started questioning everything. But mm-hmm. I, I obviously I clearly remember you were you were having theological questions long before that. Yeah. I might have, I mean, it's, it could be also, um, certainly uh, personality because I was always very defiant. I mean, in, 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 in freaking kindergarten, uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Wolf, uh, had, <laughs> I had to be called into the principal's office. Same in first grade and based David, I sat in Rabbi Byer's office, who was the principal for, I think it would be called the middle school. And not, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think uh, like he was the principal for the older kids. Right. We had a principal for the, Younger grades. Like what age? I was in About. first grade. Oh, yeah. 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 In, in, in Rabbi Gruner's class. You know, I was in right, first grade. Right, I remember. Grade. Right, I remember hearing And about I it. had to be sent to the principal of the older kids because yeah. the the other principal couldn't control couldn't me. Handle it. So I was always defiant, and I don't know why, but that's just, uh, I still am. Yeah. Um, uh, no, uh, I mean, you know, when you're We 35, all have that. <laughs> we clearly all have that to whatever extent. Yeah. I, mean, I don't say it with pride. I really don't. I yeah. really don't. I, I, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's just I think I'm kind of clear-eyed about it. I'm 35 years old. I look myself in the mirror and try to praise myself honestly, for better or for worse, pro and con. I can be exceptionally defiant. Like, I don't believe there's anyone who has tried to get something from me that I didn't want to give them. And they walked away satisfied, uh, <laughs> you know, unfortunately for them. Yeah. But, I mean, and this is what I was like in kindergarten. So so that's part of it. But the other thing is, and of course this is really splitting Talmudic hairs. <laughs> right. But I was in Puppa and you were in Veen. True. So really, obviously, almost a difference without a... Was it a distinction without a difference? Right, difference without, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but of course, inside that world, it's it's quite a difference. Right, um, right, right, exactly. From the outside, people were talking about 
you know, right. splitting hairs. But right. when you're in it, it's a difference. Yeah, and 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 I wasn't happy because so I and now we had come, we had made this journey. We were born in Seattle. Uh, we moved to Morristown. We were steadily moving to the right. We moved to Muncie, and then um, and then Tati started wearing a strimal. So like right. he was we Kept he was moving. moving to the right. And then, so, and then we, when we moved to Muncie, I first went to base David for a year, then V right, for a year. Right. Oh, you went to V? That's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, right. Yeah. Yidl Boim. Yeah. Piece of shit. Right. He was right. my second grade Rebbe. Oh, God. So, yeah. and then from there to, to Popa. The only reason you didn't go to Popa is because they didn't, they didn't have, have class. the rooms. Right. right. It, was a, it was a new school yeah. and they were adding a, a new a Right. Yudi was Neil's grade. Every year. Yeah. Right. So, so I had a bit of a, a, a point of reference like no i don't like this no you're kidding me what is this right right so i come in and so at the end of second at the beginning of third grade and first i had to learn yiddish from right. scratch i came in and see the shavara right um i come in and i'm so embarrassed the rebbe asks me to like uh, i don't know translate a pusik or read the pusik out loud and, and i just like crumpled under my <laughs> desk right because i was so embarrassed right um so i had a learning curve which right. you know, I, I I caught up, of course. Yeah. In third yeah. grade, you'll you'll catch up and you'll learn a new <clears> language <throat> relatively easily, but it could be a little traumatic, sure. and especially if you don't like it. Uh, it wasn't a pleasant uh, trauma. <laughs> That's so interesting because to me that makes me even wonder about myself again because you would think I was seven, I believe, when we moved to Muncie. We moved from it was like what what, what year was it? Ninety one or two or. I I recall being about seven when we moved from Morristown to Muncie, and like you, I had to learn Yiddish. I had like I had to, and I remember actually going back to visit Morristown within a few months, and suddenly I had Payus, and all my friends noticed. It never, never bothered me. I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Oh, and 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 then, you know, every summer they would send me to Vizhnitz because they were trying desperately to send me get me into a more Hasidic place. That's right. So I would go to Vizhnitz, and I would be the. Because I came from Veen, I'm I'm, right. I'm a less Hasidic kid, so I was happy to be different in vision. I I, I can enjoy it. Yeah, I'm different. Cool. Sure, it's kind of cool. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I was just ha- I was a happy go lucky. Yeah. And then and then in Veen, I was happy to be the most Hasidic kid in the class. Again, we're talking about margin, yeah. you know, you know, uh, the margin of error, you right. know, rounding error, or whatever. But but to me, but to in that little tiny world, I was happy to be just slightly. By a hair, the most Hasidic kid. I was just happy. I was just happy-go-lucky. So, like, what's interesting to me hearing you, where you were, like, running into walls and, like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, what are you doing here? I was just, I was very go with the flow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so there's that. Um, uh, as I try to explain why I wasn't happy from, you know, the age of, uh, I don't know, kindergarten maybe. But definitely, as I said, definitely the age of 12. By then, it was becoming clearer. Um, you didn't want to wear the same hat. Yeah. And the so clothes, before right? my bar mitzvah was becoming a crisis because I was like, I don't want to wear a beaver hat on, on, on the corner of my head and walk right. around, you know, without a gartel in order to be cool. Right. right. Um, that's not what I'm looking to do. No, let me just not do it all together. Let me wear a bend down and a, and a suit. Uh, that was my big thing. Right. That would um, make all the difference. <laughs> right. So, so. I think mommy dealt with it quite well. She, you know, uh, spoke to people for advice, and eventually um, we had a couple of conversations 
where she said to me, look, you know, she kind of dealt with me, uh, um, you know, kind of uh, treating me like a mature person. She said, mm. look, you don't want to be different than the whole family at the age of 13. Mm. Why don't you just do it, wear the hat and the longer eckle, and when you're 18, you can, you can revisit it. And I trusted her, mm-hmm. and, and she earned her trust because mm-hmm. later on she actually brought it back up, and I'll tell you when that happened. So um, so that's what happened. She convinced me to just just keep going, Go and, 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 and that's how I managed to continue. And this is in seventh – I had my bar mitzvah in seventh grade, um, and but that was the end of it. I, I couldn't last any longer. Couldn't I was in so much – I was fighting so much – um, I, I was kicked out You're of school. Getting in trouble right, right. That. I was kicked out for making fun of the principal in front of <laughs> in, in middle of, in middle of lunch in middle in front of the whole yeah. dining room. Um, so it, it couldn't last any longer, and 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 um, and I briefly and just to run through this real quick, I briefly ended up in in one of these bum yeshivas in Muncie. Yeah. So mommy tried to take me to Yankee Horowitz, which never happened. Which is funny because I later dealt with him a little, right? Um, and 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 I would I have to say just for the record I've been highly unimpressed with Yankee Horowitz, <laughs> um, um, but and then we she ended up talking to someone else. I'm bringing to one of these. We're going to circle back to Yankee Horowitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, she brought me to this other guy, uh, one of these you know fake unlicensed therapists. Right. And I spoke to him a couple of times. And, and what did he do? He's like, you know what? I'm opening a, a camp or something. It was a yeshiva. It was a bum yeshiva. Right. That's what it was. And, and, and it was actually a horrible, terrible idea because I was 13. Everyone else there was like 15, 16, 17. Um, so I got uh, a very bad sex education there yeah. <laughs> from, from the older boys. Yeah. Um, and just... Right, what a dumb idea! I w- and 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 unfortunately, I think our parents were, um, I don't know, either didn't have the maturity or were just too uh, 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 hell bent on 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 following this Going path where they wanted to go. that they were right on that that they just couldn't see any other way. I wasn't really rebellious. I was like, my biggest dream, all I wanted was to go to Beryl Wines Yeshiva. I forgot yeah. what it was called, uh, the Yeshiva on, on, on Highview. I know exactly, yeah. Because someone told me that they have karate. <laughs> oh my God, they have karate, right, you know? Right. And after fighting over uh, being allowed to play basketball and, 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 and uh, roller, roller blades, to me, that was like freedom, you right, know, right. And, and they had a, and they had an education, you know, they had English, like the biggest right. thing. They had a secular education, a secular. I remember we used to, when we would when we would go there for like catering jobs right. on Shabbos. Yeah, I would sneak into the library. I would go right. to the library. I remember reading, you know, like National Geographic from forty years ago or something. Yeah, but that was a different planet to us. Right, right, and that's all I wanted. And 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 if they could have just understood that, and and if they could have been able to split hairs right they would have understood that that would have been a, a, a great outcome but instead they fought every step of the way until yeah. i ended up in a bum yeshiva for for at least for the summer I, I was probably there for two months or so um but then tati who had um 
I guess, enough uh, sort of understanding to realize this is this is ter- like this is the wrong path. You know, like you're you're setting yourself up for failure by going. Uh, the next thing he did was was uh, kind of work to get me into Stanford Yeshiva, which um, which is uh, which is God, you know, it's no, no better than the world's most Hasidic yeshivas, but In at least it was way. Litvish, and yeah. they had a gym where you could play basketball. Uh, they didn't have any secular education, but he he was able to trick me into. Uh, believing right. that it was modern, quote-unquote right, right. modern. Right, because guys wear short coats and a yeah. bend down, so right. uh, it's a different right. planet. Right, so I ended up there, and, and, and it's a top-notch Litvish yeshiva, so for what it you know, wants it to is. be, right. it, it's good at what it wants to be, um, and I did relatively well there. So I succeeded. I wasn't a bum. Yeah. It's funny what you say about the bums, because I remember as a kid seeing them, like we had uh, Meilich Vogel, right, right. In, in, in our yep. community, Leibie our neighborhood. Fo- Leibie, uh, Frost, Frost, right. <laughs> and I looked at them, and I was I, I didn't, I had no interest. Right. They, had, they held no appeal to me. You know, even later on, a lot of these types, when I did leave, and then I would come home and visit or something... They want like suddenly they wanted me to be my buddy, and I was now like, you were cooler than them. <laughs> and I was it just held no appeal. Right, I don't right. like you said. I don't want to wear my hat crooked. I'm I'm all in or all out. Right, like right. like being Mr. Cool Guy. I don't want to be a uh, I don't want yeah. to be a you know a Heverman and right. Haverim. It was never about that. It was just you know right. So then, so then, so you went to Stanford, and then. You, how long were you in Stanford? Like, what uh, happened years. after that? Yeah. I was there for three years, ninth, 10th, and 11th grades. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say kind of a similar thing happened. Um, I was just, so I was doing well in what they wanted you to do well in. Right. Just sit and learn Gemara Academics. all day. Right. right? right. Um, so I did that. But I, I pretty quickly started to feel the same kind of questions and um, things weren't adding up. With you know, with uh, with more maturity and 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 uh, perspective, I see clearly that what the yeshivas do is just put you on a treadmill of learning Gemara all day, right, so right. that you're you're like a hamster, like a hamster on a wheel, exactly, yeah. right? You're too busy to 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 try to figure out how to get out of the cage. Yeah. Um, but but at the, the time, whole system is set sure. up like that, right? I wonder. I still. I I wonder that how much of it is 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 premeditated and how much is is a happy accident but it's clearly a a conveyor belt towards just just stuff your head in the books all day get yeah. married have kids you're stuck yeah i mean the gemara says pashteu katura like stuff them up like a like an ox <laughs> um yeah I, that's literally the word they use uh, for young students stuff them up like an ox yeah. so i think that for those in the system who are wise enough it's entirely premeditated like a victim miller well definitely by now by now we have this whole system up and running and it's a it's a wonderful system for them yeah 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 i just wonder how much of it just kind of happened and how much they've been steering it or they continued well by now we know for sure in some ways they definitely steer it the fact that they avoid all these other subjects even jewish subjects uh they they avoid tanakh Right. Um, let alone everything else, secular, secular subject. subjects. That means that it's premeditated. It's, there's no accident. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. And the reason Gemara is safe is because it's this almost... It's ancient, um, it's ancient and it's this, knowledge. And it's this great exercise, you know. It makes you feel like you're doing something. It's right. like lifting weights. It's a, <laughs> it's a dead weight. 
you're not right. doing anything. You're not you're not uh, lifting boards up to, to build something. Right. You're not you're, building you're anything. You're simply put, pick it up, lifting, put it down. Right. <laughs> so um, it's just like running on a treadmill. Yeah. Um, it's this almost meaningless exercise. It gets you nowhere. For all you're running, you've run nowhere. Right. Um, so I think it's premeditated. And I had this question in ninth grade. I asked uh, one of my urbayim. Uh, I was confused. I had this question. I was like, okay, I, I, you know, coming from the Hasidic world, I'm coming into the Litvish world, I'm hearing some new ideas, some new messages. On, For the most part, they're constantly um, uh, always talking about how the purpose of life is to learn all day, learn Torah all day. That's that's the entire purpose in life. Um, so I'm absorbing that. But then, wait, I have a question. Um, what's if you're not learning full-time? Then what's your purpose in life? Right. And we know plenty of people who don't. Right. So, right. What's your answer? So they said, so he said, um, well, number one, you learn as much as you can. You know, if you're working, you're then bus. you, of course, you're a ball of bus, you, you, you have a night seder. <laughs> right. And number two, you support people who are learning. Yeah. Um, so I said, oh, okay, I guess. But I don't know, it didn't quite uh, answer the question. It makes me think of uh, <laughs> the, the, the Protestant Reformation. That was one of the big things was like, oh, I can do whatever I want as long as I pay off the priest. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Reformation uh, fighting against that. Right, right exactly, right, ending right, that. right. So, um, so yeah, that's what happened in Stanford. I mean, I was there for three years, and, 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 and then with time, I, uh, um, one of the big problems... So I had two, essentially two problems with Stanford. One was this. I felt like it was going nowhere. Uh, um, the, my biggest regret as an adult was that I didn't get a secular education in high school. But at the time, I don't think I was thinking about it a lot. Stanford I, has zero yeah. uh, secular education? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were learning Gemara. You know what the Manal told me when I came in for my Fahar? Mm. I didn't do especially well in the Fahar. Honestly, I'm not right. sure why I was accepted. Because Tati worked there. He was, no? It's likely, but, but was all, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. Wasn't Honestly, like a, a don't know. Other thing? people called for me. Two different people called um, to, 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 to try to push me in. Stanford is a very exclusive yeshiva. They right. they took pride in not accepting people. Stefanski wasn't accepted. Our neighbor, who really? you know, his father's this rabbi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My brothers-in-law were, were not super, accepted. Yeah, Litvax. That's funny. Uh, yeshiva people, they weren't accepted. That's funny. Um, it's one of the reasons my father-in-law thought I was so uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I so, mean, I went there. I I go there, but but because our father was the cook there for. I don't know, 15 years or something, I would go there for a Shabbos or sometimes in the summer I'd go and sit in on a shear and like it was, they were, it was, it was, you know, it was the real thing. It was hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he said to me during the Fahar, he says, he, I remember this, he goes, Die weist as in der Yeshiva lehnt man finden de free bis banacht? Du meinst bis greit for them? Yeah. I said, huh? I, uh, I know, we'll find out. Yeah, um, but actually, it's funny. I, I had a. I had but it worked out. For for, f you managed to find your way and make it work yeah. for as long as you were there. Yeah, but so yeah, the problems. I I would say I had two problems. One was that it really wasn't adding up for me. I was like, where's this? Where's all this going? All this Gemara learning, and I would end up having the same question. 
the next couple of years until finally I said, you know what, maybe, maybe the answer is right in front of me. Like I'm avoiding the answer. But, but of course at the time that wasn't the answer uh, I found. The answer I, I was looking for was there has to be a better way to learn. Like you're not learning halacha. Then, then what does all this Gemara add up to? The Gemara right. is supposed to lead you to the Shulchan Aruch and the Shulchan Aruch to more uh, contemporary right. halacha. Practical. Right. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, where's Chomish and Tanakh? Like, it's just, we're learning, it's like you grabbed, if you had a three-story building and you just grabbed this, the middle story right. and, and tried to, like, wrap your arms around it and walk away with it. That, right. That's what it felt like. There's no foundation, there's nothing uh, on top of it. Like, Mile it's wide just, and inch deep. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was number one, and I was, I was facing, you know, 12th grade, which in Stanford everyone said... Rabbi Rochem prepares you for a mayor's shear. Oh my God! We're all like preparing to get the second year of a smedrish. Finally, three someday more when you years get later, yeah. um, when you'll finally be able to understand your mayor's shear. Now, I didn't think I was anything special, but I listened. I I I heard one shear for a mayor when I was, uh, I think, where was it? Beginning of eleventh grade. And I was like, no, this, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, you know what? I'm not spending another three or four years to, to prepare to hear him give these shiur, which everyone, by all accounts, they're sitting there scratching their heads, even when they have reached his shear. It was incomprehensible or what? Not only incomprehensible to me, and again, I knew it even at the time, like, who am I to argue? Like, what right. A right do I what have do to judge it? And yet I said, I, I don't care. I'm sorry, I just don't care. He said he was giving this shear on, it was on Masech the Sukkah, because it was right after Yom Kippur. Yeah. Whoever stayed overnight the night of Yom Kippur and left the next morning got to hear a shear from him. It was very exciting. So yeah. 11th grade, I got to hear a shear from a mayor, and he gives a shear on Masech the Sukkah, Lulav Arava, and he's talking about Lulav, and then he goes off into the um, uh, uh, Rukiva Eger on the side, and then before you know it, he's a Masechus Erevin, and he's trying to, like, he's got some question. There's a, there's a, you know, he's got a steer from Erevin, and then he's busy resolving that for a half hour. I'm like, oh, this is, this whole idea of lumbus just doesn't really go anywhere. Um, it's, it's, to me, no better than the, the pilpul that, that the yeshiva world had done away with 200 years ago. Like, I'm, I'm, this is meaningless. I'm sorry. And so yeah. I really didn't want to stay much longer. The other thing that was more acute was this uh, assistant principal came in, Scan Manal. Um, I remember hearing about him. Vigder. Vigder. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I sat and raged about him for right. the whole two and a half years. He, they hired him halfway through ninth grade. So I, he was my uh, Scan Manal for the next two and a half years. And unambiguously... Like, I, you don't, no one has to take my word for it. He was terrible. Mm. He was fired eventually. Um, uh, he did nothing for the yeshiva except, you know, pick fights and try to change things around. He was just awful. He was Hasidish, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So and the, the Manal was also. The Manal was Hasidish, right. right. But he had, he, wasn't he a co-founder? And he, he had started. been there for yeah. decades. He started. Like he, right. Yeah. And, and it, it, was a, it was a hardcore Litvish place. The Manal was not Litvish, but he very much was on the Litvish Of course. He was this way really of odd things. guy. Victor, from what I heard, clashed because he was Hasidish. And... No, no, he came with the same or similar background. Uh, the Manal was this really interesting character, but 
you know, interesting isn't always, you know, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, he came but he was from... A, he was... He was big, but I mean, he was larger than life. He was like a big character. Sure. And people... Everybody respected him, I think. Even if, I would even say if so. he was tough, yeah. they respected him. I would say so. He... I think you would say he was principled, mm-hmm. um, and he, I think he almost, he took pride in it. Um, he shoved it in your face, like yeah. when he when he kicked out the son of one of the Yeshiva's biggest donors, mm-hmm. and then refused to answer the the, the, the man's calls for the right. next week just to make his point. I'll show you, his boss. yeah, exactly. Right. So that's the kind of guy he was. Right. So he was a difficult guy, but it's hard to disrespect him entirely. Yeah. Um, but he was unfortunately ill most of his life and and uh and that's why they hired Victor. Right. Uh Victor came in, he was really an inch deep. Um he was also Hasidish but had gone to Litish Yeshivas. Mm. Um so yeah, they hired so him. So he understood that. Yeah. The way the yeah, way. but he treated his Rosh Yeshiva um Eliber Wachtfeigel like a Rebbe. You know, mm. like he'd call him for advice all the time. Which is a complicated right, thing in the Lutish right. world is Das Teuren and yeah. it bleeds into like uh Rebbe worship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so I was fighting with him the entire time. He also kicked me out of Yeshiva um at the beginning of tenth grade. Um I I they let they let me back in pretty quickly. They you know, so I was there, but it was always there was always tension. So and, and so he was a, another big part of the reason I left. And where'd you go from there? Uh, very briefly, yeah. very briefly, this was in 2001, so mm. in L of 2001, like September, I went for just a month till, or it might have even been less than a month, I think I didn't end up staying the whole, this whole month, I went to this little tiny yeshiva that had only recently opened in Boston, it was like in a house or something, yeah. someone told me about it, I think one of my Urbanum, or something. I don't even remember how I got to it and how the whole thing came about, but I was there very briefly. One of the things I wanted to like was that they had English, they had secular education. Right. But but as soon as I started, I remember reading some history, uh, you know, for a history class and I remember learning about, you know, Native Americans being given uh blankets full of smallpox. Right. I was like, oh my God, wow, I'm really learning stuff here. Right. No um, information. But 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 just something about everything about it. The the level of the Gemara learning was was way lower right. than where I'd just come from. And then the English kind of scared me, which is which is sad. I, I wish I had stuck it out because uh, pretty much forever afterwards I missed it. I wish right. I wish I did yeah. have yeah. the education. But I was coming in the twelfth grade right. with with literally nothing beneath it. Not only no 11th, 10th, and 9th grades. <laughs> Puppa was your foundation. But I, but you know, I didn't even go to English at Puppa either. Not at all? No. Why not? No. I didn't know oh, this. God. Why not? Let's start again from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's back oh, way up. Let's, let's, start, let's start from the beginning. When I went to Wien in second grade, Yidelboim. Yeah. I'm lucky I missed him. Yeah. I was Him and who was the guy above him? Uh, a Belza dude who was also just cruel and vicious I don't know but I, guess I, I was, Yudi but I was had, Yudi had him right and I, I was remember. too old so I missed him but he was notoriously yeah. brutal yeah same thing he was fired and I have a friend uh, uh, Yosef Franklin we were we were classmates in, in, yeah. in second grade That's and funny. every time I see him he says Yidelboim <laughs> that guy was an asshole that guy had uh, something wrong with him so these people had 
well, he, he might have been too young for the Holocaust, but they, but there were some Rebbe's no, they that were, were all clearly uh, second generation. They were all you know children of survivors. PTSD. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so in 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 Veen in second grade, we had probably pre one A English. We right. learned the alphabet and numbers and right. whatever else Basics. you learn in in in, in pre one A. The next year, I went to Popa. Now, in Popa, they didn't start English until third grade. Let me think. Second, third, fourth. Fourth grade. Um, and fourth grade, they would start pre-1A English. Mm. Um, yeah. So, for the next year, I learned nothing. And then the following year, um, we started learning pre-1A English. Mm-hmm. And, and me and Yuri, uh, right, the one between us right. the one above me right. who was in the class above Brother me in between both us. of us didn't go we would go home because we were we were ahead, we're ahead. Of, we yeah. were ahead of everyone so, that's interesting why did they just make you sit through it um i guess mommy asked them mm-hmm. to uh, it was, there was no reason right. to be there they were literally just learning the alphabet mm-hmm. so and we knew it so there right. was no point um the next year when it would have been, I guess, first grade or whatever, they're starting to read words. Yeah. Um, by that time, I had already started reading on my own. Right. Um, and at home. So, so again, I didn't go. I remember like a kid asking me, oh, yeah, like you, th- you think you're so smart? What does T-H-E spell? <laughs> yeah. Or how do you pronounce T-H-E? Yeah. So I'm picturing it and I go, there. And he's like, ha! No, it's got the. you. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I knew that. I knew mm-hmm. that. And it's true, I did. But right. but I remember that. And so so I had already started to to read, and that was it. Like I just never went. So over the next year or two, entire like through fifth and sixth grade, um, uh, in the end, like mommy gave us a, I think it was me and Yuri, I would say, just a really bare bones arithmetic at home. At home, I, I don't think I knew with this. a book. But that was it. Like, yeah. literally it. We That's learned so some addition and subtraction, and that was the end of our education. Yeah. So in seventh grade, I did go. So in seventh grade, I started going in mm-hmm. Popasa. This was third or, if generously, maybe fourth grade English. Mm-hmm. Um, I went for maybe a month. It was, it was some kind of short time. Uh, and when, of course, we went through teachers, you know, every month. Mm, right, they were constantly quitting. So after after the first teacher um, didn't work out, excuse me, that was about the end of my education. The next one came in, I started making trouble uh, right away, um, and they pulled me out of the class. So because I was already registered for the year, mm. and they get money for, for each kid, kid um, so they didn't want me to stop going and start going home early again like I used to. So they wanted me to stay, and they just kept me busy. For a while, I sorted. I opened up boxes. Oh, and this is oh, this is funny. So I, I would go through boxes of books in a storage room mm-hmm. and, and sort them. I don't, I don't even remember what I was doing. And for a while, in that same room, I counted um, the money from the pushkas yeah. that ki- kids brought back, and counted it and sorted it, put it into, you know, uh, coin Paper holders. Paper. Right? Yeah. Um, now... One of the things I learned then in this closet, in this little storage room, they had 7th and 8th grade uh, history books. books. Um, I believe, I can't say this for a fact, because I, but Who knows? it's a pretty clear assumption that they were uh, 
probably um, claiming to have uh, English Going through higher all those up. grades and yeah. just not you're just not, just not using it. them. Yeah, so they had the books, and I, I and I remember reading some. I, I remember reading a Stephen Crane story in one of the literature books. So yeah. I would read them a little. I also substituted once or twice for teachers uh, for fifth grade. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> There's no teacher. Myler, come on, come here, come here. Can substitute for the for the class? Yeah, that's was, hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. nuts. Um, not too many times, but I think once or twice. That's so funny. Yeah. So I was there, and that that so that was it. Like so, I learned what a noun is and a verb and an adverb in my about month or so of education <laughs> yeah. in Papa, and that was the end of my formal education. Um, and then Stanford through eleventh grade, nothing. And then I go to this yeshiva in Boston, and then there's English. I just felt overwhelmed by it. And and I and then the Gemara was a lower level, and I just felt just funny. A bad fit. Yeah, and it was this tiny little yeshiva. Um, the one one kind of interesting thing that happened while I was there was I, I ate a Shabbos meal at the Boston Rebbe's house. Um, oh, that's While I was there, yeah, and that was cool. There was like a long table, or a lot of people and a lot of guests, and and one of the guests was actually someone we knew from Muncie. He he or. Or maybe one of his kids was there in Boston for medical treatment, mm. um, <clears throat> so that was interesting. And but that was the end of the whole experience. I somehow felt extremely uncomfortable, and I was like, "Get me out of here! I, I really don't like it." Maybe I should have stayed. Maybe I don't know. Could have been better, but I left. I went back home, and uh, and shortly afterwards it was nine eleven. So I remember that. Well, I got married yeah. a month before nine eleven. So. So it would have been right around the time I got married. Oh. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't put those two together. Right, that's yeah. what I think of. Yeah. I was a month, I'd been married a month, right around. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Because, I mean, like we said, I went to Veen, and in the, you know, uh, relatively speaking, Veen was more modern, right? So we had two hours a day, four days a week of what they call English, and that's when you have to learn everything you have to learn. <laughs> and it depended on the teacher, and it depended on the day. You know, they were a little more, uh, you know, the, the parents of those of that school cared a little more than the ones in Popa, right. you know what I mean? So sure. they had to put a little more effort in, so they would hire these, like, non-religious whoever's who, 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 who did speak English to teach the classes or whatever. But kids were all over the place. Nobody, sure. You, the the, the Rebbies... If you didn't shut up and sit down, they'd smack the shit out of you. <laughs> right. The teacher wasn't going to hit you. Right. So the kids were they out of control. They weren't authorized to. Right, right, exactly. So when, you know, you learn to be afraid of the Rebbe because he's going to beat the shit out of you. But <laughs> the teacher, you, you're not going to hit me, so what are you going to do about right. it? So we were just all over the place, jumping up and down, going crazy. And they had the uh, the principal was the only one authorized to, right. to smack right. in English. So right. if things got really bad you'd call him right behind it and he'd give you a speech and a prock and tuchus and you yeah. know whatever yeah. but it was it was, a, it was it's, it's just very interesting you know that the so your two hours compared to my nothing zero right right right, right. i didn't yeah. learn much but apparently you learned zero yeah it's it's actually it's one of it's it's so if you say you know i, I thought everything was fine and 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 i was happy go lucky um i mean i, I was back, i was 
I was a troublemaker. Like I was, I was a class clown, and I got into sure. trouble. But I was a good enough of a student. You were fighting the whole system, <laughs> right? Exactly. I wasn't at, right. I wasn't at war. I was just a, yeah. a brat. I was a wild yeah. kid, and I was a class yeah. clown. But more or less, I was okay. Yeah, but when I look back, um, more than anything else, worse than the fact that we were in Pupa or or Stanford, these 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 places that give a terrible education. Um, and Pupa, they're just smacking you all over the place yeah. like it's 1885. <laughs> right. Um, more, you know, worse than that, the, the real regret I have is that I don't have a good formal education. And, yeah. and that's the hole, you know, that, that is just, yeah, almost impossible to fill. I mean, who's going to go, you know, learn the multiplication, memorize the multiplication table, right. you know? When you have a full-time job and yeah, kids, of course. You know. I mean, it was the, it was it was the number one. It was the number one motivation for me for twenty years later when I joined the army. I was like, I, I want to go to college. I want to have the, you know, foundation. I remember when I was with my kid, he was like, I think he was seven, eight when I realized like, that's it. I've reached the the maximum that I can help him with his homework. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. what happened. And I've always been afraid of that. Um, yeah. I had to give up. I mean, literally, I remember we went to school, talked to his teachers, and we're like, "Look, this is much what as you're I got. dealing with. You're gonna have to give him some extra attention because I can't. There's only so much I can do." We're an immigrant family, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly like immigrants. <laughs> anyway, so so skipping ahead, years and years later, I left the community. You're married. It's got what was it? Two twenty twelve, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So far, no, actually, before that. I, I leave, I join the army. This is before I joined the army. I started writing a blog anonymously, or mm-hmm. I had a fake name. I'm writing this blog, and this was back when blogs were a thing, <laughs> before social media. And I called myself, as a joke, uh, Shy Getzel, because said quickly, it's Shy Getzel, right? Right. Right? And I'm getting these comments. I start getting these comments from some dude, Shraggy Getzel. Much later. <laughs> it was was it later? Oh I yeah. Remember, yeah, because you were writing this stuff earlier. Right, I was and I only writing. Found right, the blog I <laughs> wrote, right exactly. I wrote it. I started, I would say, two thousand seven ish writing, and then I, I wasn't a regular writer. I would write a thing here and a thing there, whatever. Years later, we find out that you were one of my commenters. I didn't know that. So tell me what that happened. What was, when did you find it? What were you thinking? Did you know it was me? Like, what was the story? Yeah, for sure I did. Because um, ultimately, eventually, it became, I, I wasn't a secret anymore. Yeah, no, I knew it was you, but I don't know how you uh, remember it exactly. But I, um, I feel like by the time I was writing comments, it was, uh, I was just about on, one foot out the door. So it was much later, and it was really for a short time. Well, Shragi Getzel came from, because your name was Shia Getzel, I was like, well, if, uh, if Ari's last name Has is a Getzel, brother. Right. then I guess my, <laughs> my last name is Getzel. All, all I can do is choose a first name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> later, I dropped the Getzel and, and called myself Shragi Ackerman online for a while, because yeah. I, I, I like the name Ackerman because... This is super obscure, but I thought I thought it was obscure enough and corny enough to to to, to fit. Um, the name Ackerman came from the Big Lebowski. Okay. Walter's ex-wife Her is married is... to Marty Ackerman, 
Cynthia and Marty Ackerman. That's hilarious. Go to Honolulu. Oh so my I was like, God. Ackerman. All right, that's a Jewish name. <laughs> wow. That's it's a me. deep cut. That's okay. a deep cut. <laughs> wow. It doesn't have to mean anything to anyone, but no, that's of course. where I got that's, it from. <laughs> that's, a, that's funny. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, so by the time you were commenting, you knew that I was the one writing? Yeah. That I had written? Well, obviously, yes, because you gave the name. I don't know how I knew, but I heard that that was your right. blog, and that's how I found it. Because by the time, I mean, even when I was writing it, I had left. I physically left. I was in Washington. I was gone. Yeah. But I just didn't want the heat. I didn't want people nudging me. I don't yeah. want people emailing me and nudging Giving our parents. Or, like, yeah. leave me alone. Yeah. I'm anonymous. You don't know who I am. Sure. Or, you know, it was that kind of thing. But ultimately, you know, in the, in the end, it, it became less of a secret. So then... I, you know what confirmed for me that it was, uh, that the blog was, was yours? What? That you were the author of the blog? I, I scrolled through the blog a little, and I at that time I discovered the whole uh, blogosphere. Right, all the the the, the whole uh, off the derek OTD blogosphere, um, and and I went from one to the next to the next, and and I ran across this one. I think someone may have said it was yours, but but or maybe not. I, I remember that I wasn't sure until I saw this this post about Rashi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I saw this. So I want to hear the story posts. from your perspective because yeah. I only have I I, I I I don't remember almost any of it. I just remember your question. So what I re I recall is I think I was I was a, was I already married because we were I, I was married because yeah. I remember this happened on when we were you guys were living on not Decatur Collins. Yeah. Because I remember the conversation was on the porch on Collins. So th that was already. I after wasn't there I was married. either. I was married too. Okay. Yeah. 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 We so, were. I think we were both living in Lakewood, or or you hadn't yet moved. To I hadn't Lakewood. yet moved. Right. Yes. Right. 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 So right, because by the time I moved to Lakewood, I was. I know. That's I, it. I'd I figured was, it out. I was living in Cleveland. I think I was just married, so this would have been two thousand five or six. Something like that. Right. And makes sense. You were living in Muncie. So I'm. I'm newly discovering all this craziness, and like my whole world is crumbling and falling apart and I'm like my world is shattered and, and I and I and I don't so so I don't remember the specifically what I asked you or I don't remember the conversation I know what happened I'll tell you tell me uh, if you don't remember I'll, I'll I just remember your response remember. <laughs> so tell me what happened before that so what happened was I feel like I was living in Lakewood because I could just pick, see myself where I was and there's this like emergency phone call mommy's freaking out Ari said uh, he doesn't believe in, in Hashem anymore, and he doesn't want to be from or whatever. It was like not definitive, but 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 kind of pretty clear. Like, boom, new uh, new, new shit, shit has, has come, come to light. light. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I was like, what? Give it, come on, right? Because I felt like I had thought about this stuff somewhat. I read Akiva Tats, you know. I listened right. to Victor Miller, and I read. Uh, half his books. I was like, okay, I have some thoughts on this, and I listened to uh, I had listened to dozens and dozens of tapes from uh, Amnon Yitzchak. Yes, I used to listen to him too. I loved him. Uri Zohar. He was a good storyteller. Oh, he, he was a good entertainer. <laughs> sure, he was great. I loved him. Um, so I was like, okay, I've got some I've got some thoughts on this, and I get it. Yeah. Um, so at some point, uh, I was up in Muncie. I think I was up there anyways. Uh, I don't think I came up there specially, and I was like, "Hey, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about it. I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone, right. but I, let, yeah, I'm interested. I, I know, like, uh, I've got some." The funny thing is, 
by the way, speaking of mommy and her books and her research, she, I, one, I, I, I recall noticing in her house, I was there for Shabbos or we were there for a meal or something, and, I, and that book by, she has a, like an Iranian name, but it's called, I think it was called Going Off the Derech or something like that. It was one of the first books that taught... Ferenek. Yes, yes. Miriam? I don't know. Something Ferenek. Yes. I remember Ferenek or whatever, right. So yeah. I see the book lying yeah. around the house, yeah. and I and I I read it, mm-hmm. and I made a point to say to mommy like, "Ooh, did you read it? Is it interesting? What are your thoughts?" <laughs> and and I was trying to like ignite a conversation, but she was uh she was like, it wasn't going anywhere. I was like try, that was before I obviously. And, and, but she doesn't like to engage anyways. I don't think she would like to argue. Maybe today she would, but even now, not so much. I think. Right, right. I just wanted her, I, I was trying to hint at her, right. like, you know that book's talking about me, right? You yeah, know? Yeah. But this was long before I had made any moves. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so, you come, so, so we talk. So I remember, I think we just literally sat on, on, it was on the, the porch, on their front porch. Yeah. Um, and, and we talked for a bit. And, and I also, I would say I just, I only remember that question because because you're saying you know whatever questions you have maybe historical or or theological or whatever and i said you know i agree and i have the same questions and i don't have an answer i don't have any answers actually but i just believe i mean you look at the rambam he wrote not that i've studied it right. but he wrote it right. come on right. come on i mean That's the impressive. man wrote it <laughs> right. i mean Look, that's not you, nothing. Come right? on, that's a big deal. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I said so. I think to myself, was 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 the Rambam stupid? Right. Was was he what? Rashi? I mean, just look at that body of work. Right. Look at all. Look, he's got a commentary on the, the whole Torah, the whole Shas. Right? I mean, th- what was going on behind there? I have. He was to clearly not stupid. Yeah. That that he had thoughts. So I'll just put it on hold until I. Uh, Find the time to, to, to find what he wrote about it because I believe that he wrote about it and I believe that he would have answers. Right. So, right. So, and to me, I obviously the concept wasn't new. Like I had had the same thought along the lines of like, look at these libraries of right. Svarim we have. Like, come on. Is this, all of that is built on a foundation of lies. It's, it's, that's crazy talk. Right. It doesn't, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> But when you said to me, like, was Rashi wrong? Like, that was like, it was very, it was so simple. And in my mind then, it was so earth shattering. I was <laughs> yeah. like, you're right. How do you get around Rashi? this? Yeah. I mean, God, what am I, who the right. fuck am I? <laughs> Rashi, Rashi's Rashi. I, I, what am I saying? Rashi was dumb? <laughs> and that, like, set me back. Right. Like, for six months, I had to go home and reassess and rethink everything. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, you, you decided, uh... You know what? Let me uh, let me let's back right. up, and then you said, "Okay, all right, let's moderate this a little," and then you moved to Lakewood. I have to right. I have to I have to reassess, and I, and it was also it was it was also at that time, I moved to Lakewood. Also, at that time, oh, I went to oh, this is a whole long whole other story, right? I go, I, another, it's a long story for another time. But we went on a camping trip, me, yeah. Tati, and a t- couple Some of kids. Of the kids, yeah. And right. it was a whole showdown, whatever. Right. But then on the way home, we stopped to get gas. We're on the, we were on motorcycles. We right. stopped to get gas. And he just, we're in the middle of pumping gas. He comes over to me and he's like, after we had had a whole converse, converse, 
quote unquote conversation. It was more of a yelling, match. screaming match, right? right. But, but he said it was the next day, and he had calmed. It was or two days later, whatever. He calmed down, and he says to me, "You know, Uncle Norman was never. He was never a very orthodox guy, but Aunt Bela, his wife, she was. She'd grown up orthodox, and he he conformed. He he." led a more religious life and became a more religious person to please her, to make her happy, to, to make the marriage work. And again, none of this was earth-shattering news. I didn't know their history, but the concept of being yeah. re- living a religious life, even if you don't really believe in it, for the sake of the marriage, for the sake of the kids, like none of this was new, but just simplified. And he gave me a personal example of someone I knew. I was like, oh, I could, I could picture that. Like, oh, if they did it, Uncle Norman, somebody I know. Sure. And then that's when I said, okay, fine, let's try again. Let's find, let's find a, a middle ground. Middle ground. Let's find a compromise. That's when we yeah. moved to Lakewood because I could take my beard off. I could put on a bend down, a short coat, but I'm still Orthodox. Right. So they're not going to lose their minds. But to me, that was going to be, and it, and it worked with her, my wife at the time. Like that was a, an acceptable a compromise. compromise. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, so that, so the, oh, the so both then of those together. I wrote a blog about that, I don't know how much of the conversation I wrote about, but that question was like so earth shattering to me. And then years later, I find out that this guy Shroggy Getzel <laughs> turns out to be you. So that was very interesting. But yeah. then, so then because after, I guess you moved past the question, right? And I, I did too. Well, ultimately, I came to understand how it is that a very smart person can write thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of commentary based on a foundation of lies. I get it. And I hey, now get it. He's but, on the same treadmill we were on. Right, exactly. And even if even if he never questioned anything, I'm not questioning his intelligence. It's I whatever, it's a whole conversation, but I get it. You know what I mean? Right. Then it was a huge I would say was Thomas Aquinas stupid? Right. I mean, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So at the time it was a huge I'm calling it a setback. It wasn't a set, setback. It was like a it made me stop and reassess. Yeah. Like, oh, yo, Mr. Smarty Pants, you have right. all the answers. What do you think you're smarter than Rashi? Right. You know what I mean? Like, had to add that to the equation to all of my evaluations, whatever. This was very interesting. Anyway, so <laughs> then... Yeah. So then, if we fast forward again, so we're now in, like, 2012, I'm out of the army, and then the whole Internet of CIFA starts happening, which, again, that's a whole other story, but I want to hear your vantage point your point of view of how you got involved because because just just to give a two second yeah backstory yeah um i i left the community i joined the army i was away for five years i didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it social media wasn't a thing or hardly i wasn't i wasn't on social you know online like that i wasn't on facebook or whatever i just i was busy so i was in the army i wasn't thinking about it right, right. I'm, I'm physically far away and i'm busy with my life then I come back, and it's the end of 2011, coming into 2012, and now I, I'm on social media, and I'm getting more involved, and I'm just, just talking and Catching hearing. Catching up. Or, exactly. Yeah. Seeing what's going on. Reconnecting. Back home. And they're planning. And so uh, so they're, meanwhile, they're planning this this anti-internet Asifa, right? This yeah. big thing in City Field. And I'm, we're, we're laughing at them. What a bunch of fools. You're going to spend all this money and effort, right? Whatever. But whatever. Sure. You're weirdos. It's your problem. That's what they do. Not my problem. And that's it. Right. Then I find out that a cousin of ours, a kid, a teenager, 
try to commit suicide. I'm like, what happened? What, what's wrong? He seemed, I don't know. You know, turns out they say he had been molested in camp or something and they weren't, the camp wasn't investigating it or there wasn't. And I know, we all know, we all coming from that world. We yeah. all know it's a, it's, it's, it's a phenomenon. You know right. what I mean? But again, not my, not my, not my, not my circus, not my clown, whatever they say. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not my problem. Yeah. It's a, but when it, it's just kind of part of the background, right, of, right, of, of living there and growing. But then there. it was first you got my attention because it's my cousin right. and he tried to kill himself. Meanwhile, this this uh, anti Asifa is building up. It's coming up, and it just pissed me off. I was like, are you "Where are your priorities? Me? What the fuck is right. wrong with you?" Right. So. Instantly, like that afternoon, it was on, I believe it was Shavuos, because I happened to be in Lakewood for, for I think it was Shavuos. No, 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 no. No? Maybe no, no, it was no, no, just a no. Shabbos. It couldn't because the Internet of Sifa happened a number of weeks, like about a month before Shavuos. So this was like before Pesach. Could be. I don't remember. But I was, so it might have been a Shabbos, because I remember we were in Lakewood. Or on Pesach. We were, like around was, that time. So I hear about this. So that afternoon, I go on Facebook, and I'm like, and I'm raging. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? And Hani Friedman. Friedman says, it was like a throwaway comment. She was like joking. She's like, we should protest then, the Asifa. Because I'm, I'm over here raging. Like, these yeah. are, what, what kind of priorities are these? She's like, you should protest them. And we're joking back and forth. Ha, 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 protest. But like within like an hour, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe we should protest them. Yeah. So it was all like very... Casual. I, I never expected it to blow up. I just okay. It takes two seconds. It's Facebook. It takes two seconds. You create an event, publish it. Here's the date. Here's the thing. Okay. I didn't expect anything. Within a week, the New York Times is calling me. There's hundreds of people are signing up. There's articles, and it just exploded. It went crazy. It went everywhere. And then at some point, enters. You, you got wind of it. So then now I want to hear your <laughs> perspective was on it. How yeah. you got wind of it. Yeah, so this was, I'll just say, the 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 final or or the second to final like straw uh, for me. And, right, because um, we should say you were living a regular normal Orthodox life at the time. Right. And not not only, you know, living an Orthodox life, I was uh, involved in the community. I was running a nonprofit in Cleveland, uh, working with community members and working with uh, rabbis, uh, school administrators. Um, uh, we were, I was running an organization uh, where we helped people with their personal finances and budgeting. Uh, we would train people in how to budget and, 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 uh, and related stuff like that. So, um, and I'd been doing it for well over a year already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I already saw behind the, uh, I, I had already seen the wizard, you know? Right. Got to peek behind um, the curtain. Right. And so now I'll just, you know, say this was it. Like uh, less than a month after the Internet of Sifa was over, I wasn't Orthodox anymore. Right. And, and I haven't been ever since. So the reason it, it struck me and I, and I got involved and uh, why it made such a big um why I got so involved in it is because I already had too many problems with the whole community structure um, before discovering this problem of, of sexual molestation mm-hmm. and the cover-up more than anything, right. the communal response to right. molestation How they dealt, inside the community. Yeah. Right. 
Well, they dealt with they it. They dealt with in it. the wrong way. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Precisely the wrong way exactly, every time. Right. Um, like the cabin church. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's like their radar just you know just points them in the wrong direction every yeah. single time. It's, so it's yeah, w- w- you know, it's a whole conversation of its own. Right. That whole topic. So what happened was I heard about it from other family members. They said, oh, oh, my God, this thing is going on. Ari's involved. Oh, great, you know. And What's he and, up to now? <laughs> right. And uh, truthfully, and here's the weird thing. Here's a part of the experience for me. We hadn't really had that much to do with each other for the previous few years. Right. Once you left, you went to the Army. Uh, I don't even know. If, in fact, I would say we weren't friends on Facebook. We we really lived in different worlds, Parallel, yeah. and that's it. So um, it was part. And I, I should say, I when I part of my thought process when I left was both. I didn't want people harassing me, and I also I honestly wanted to. I wanted to be less of a burden to my family. So yeah. I didn't like if I'm there. If I if I if I move out and move to a you know an yeah. apartment. In, in Airmont. Airmont, yeah. right. And I'm just in everyone's face. And, right. and it's and I knew it would be bad for them and you're bad for me. Chalent at the gas station every right. every Thursday. I want I needed a break. I yeah. wasn't gonna disappear forever, but I knew I needed I need a physical, geographical yeah. I, I need a break in everywhere. I remember yeah. driving on the street in Muncie and just seeing street signs. I was like, I fucking hate this yeah. place. I need to sure. get out of here. I need to get out of here. Yeah. So I was I I that was intentional. It was intentional. Yeah. I needed a break. I needed yeah. to get away. And on my side, um, my feeling was, and this I was going to say that it was like a revelation or a beginning of a of a big change, was as much as I, if I thought about it logically and engaged with this question, I wouldn't have believed it. But in my gut, I still believed the messages that we were always told. Anyone who leaves must be crazy. There must be something right. wrong with right. them. And I thought, all right, I don't know what Ari's problem is. You lost his Whatever. Mind. Right. <laughs> it's fine. I don't hate him or nothing, but whatever. I mean, he's just, he's gone. He's and I, I don't understand. Like, he's got problems. And also, like, anyone who gets divorced must be half crazy. Must be something wrong with right? him. Right, right. So those were my, my feelings. But when this came up, when this uh, internet, um, when, the, when, when I heard about the protest, I heard about it when it was already... A, it was building getting up. some right. traction. Right. Uh, you had already um, invited other people to help you moderate it was, the event It was page. within days. It was beyond yeah. my capacity. There were hundreds of people, maybe even thousands, who had already uh, RSVP'd for it. Right. Um, and so the page was a busy marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of screaming and yelling going on. Anyways, I saw it, and, and, and it immediately just caught my attention. I'm like, now here's a problem I want to sink my teeth into. You know? right. I heard the same thing, the story about the cousin, and um, and I was like, yeah, are you kidding me? Now, and, and my, one of my first thoughts was, this shouldn't just be a bunch of OTD people doing it. it. Right. No, we should do it, us from people. And and at that time, I, I wore a white shirt, black pants. I it was very involved. Three times you getting involved was very validating to me because I wanted... That I was trying. I don't remember if I was saying it out loud, but I wanted it. To, this is yeah. not an OTD problem. This is a from community problem. You guys won't address it, so I'm going to scream and yell and right. embarrass you. But it's your problem. Right. This is my kid isn't in your yeshiva. It's your kid. Right. So so I wanted to get from people involved, and you were one of the first, if not the first one. And I, it was like very validating. I was like, you see, it's not only us. Yeah. People who've left your world. Right. 
And that's exactly what I felt. I was like, no, this should be a, a partnership. I want to see a whole bunch of front people getting involved should and right. standing out there at the protest. So I very quickly, without really, it didn't take too much thought. Um, it would just, it really um, uh, grabbed me. And, and, and I decided to get involved. And I remember that we weren't friends on Facebook because I remember you had to add me. I remember this happened. You, you wrote in, you had to add me as a friend in order to add me to the group oh, chat. Oh, the group chat, And yes. you said, um, I'm adding myself. You added yourself with your other account with your real name. Oh, right, because back then I had two accounts. Yes. Right. And the real account was blank. You didn't post didn't anything just, right, there. Dead. We were friends there. Right. But you, so you added uh, yourself with, with, your, with your active account. You added yourself, uh, you added your other account so that you could add me into the chat. And right. you said, I'm adding myself so that I could add my brother uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and whatever. So Here funny. he is. I forgot about that. So, and that's why because I, I had my my kosher account, right. you know, with all my f all the family and old right. friends from Muncie or whatever. Right. But I never posted anything. Right. There. And I had this whole other alter ego, which was not a secret. But right. I had this whole other that's account where all the where all the fun was. was right. right. So so um, yeah, you added me into the chat, and pretty quickly I was just into it. Yeah. We, it was a job. It was. Yeah. It was. It, it went was from on, zero we were to on it to, all day. It went from zero to a full time job in two days. Yeah. It was. It was madness. It was nuts. We were having discussions about what our message is, what we should include in the message, what we should. We take were writing out. press releases. I was like, yeah. what, what? It was. It was nuts. It was right. Absolutely. So there were nuts. people like Leia Vincent was pushing that it. Uh, we should include uh, the problem education. of lack of education. Right. And, and I argued against it. I was like, no, keep it clean. I felt like I had some experience in communal, I guess, matters. I wouldn't say like, I don't know, community organizing, if you will, right. uh, because, of my, because of my job uh, running this organization. I, I certainly didn't have a ton of experience, but I, I thought I did. I thought I was a big chacham. So well, I came I in. Had, I mean, all of, none of us yeah. had any experience. Right. So. And that was my perspective. It was one of the things I hammered away at in every discussion. No, let's keep it. Uh, laser focused on one problem and that's it and how does this problem connect to the uh, internet of SIFA why right. are we What's protesting right and we just worked and worked away at it in order to Which hone is that good message because that was exactly the the retort was right what, what is this what does one have to do with the other right. and, and if because Mind we were in, laser focused uh, yeah it's Larsini right what was that what was his name the guy who was in charge or he was a spokesperson Whatever the guy who all the media talked to yeah. on that end, of the, right. on the other, that side of the street, he kept saying like, "Oh, you're confusing issues, and what does this have to do with that?" And we right. were able to hammer it home. Your priorities yeah. are wrong. The internet is not the problem. Right, and and we had a couple of we did connect it. Number one, you're spending three million dollars right. on this uh, to fight the internet. The but money, but the time, the effort. The number speeches, two, the, whole the thing. fact that the internet is what's allowing survivors of sexual abuse to Connect. meet each other right. and, and start to speak up. Maybe that's why you're banning the internet, right? right? So, so we really needled them on this point. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a wild, wild experience. And then, but as you said, very quickly after that, you were, you were done. Yeah, so, so and, and the reason for that is, I would say for two reasons. One was the issue itself, the issue of sexual molestation right. and the communal response itself. And the second one was the Internet of SIFA itself. Um, I, I finally saw 
pretty clearly there was no it was it, it became pretty much impossible for me to ignore this at, by by then that their opposition to the internet is really comes from a place of trying to keep everyone ignorant that's right. it there's no more denying this like no secular education okay maybe it's because it's a big mitzvah to learn tire all day you know all these other things up until then i was like i could Excuse make it. my way through the corn maze of 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 from rationale thought. right but, yeah when it when it came to this i was like i'm done and uh, what well, i mean the reason is because through this and through all the blogs that i discovered at the time and i was suddenly caught up on hasidic rebel and strimal and and yeah. and yeah. Uh, your blog right. and, and a bunch of others i was like wow i'm not crazy right i'm not crazy there's a whole world out there Right? I'm busy going to these shiurim at night and asking the rabbis questions, and I know they don't have the answers, or they're avoiding them, and I think I must be nuts. Right? Right. Finally, I'm like, no. No, I'm done. I'm done thinking I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. No, there's a concerted effort here to keep us all ignorant. Keep the walls up. Right. And, and that was it for me. I was like, you know what? They've got, they've got way too much to hide. And I discovered the, um, the, the concept of biblical criticism for the first time. I'm like, what's biblical criticism? And, and, and I read just the, just the headlines, you know, on Wikipedia. Right. And it was enough for me. I was like, oh. So when Rashi says, in order to, to smooth to out the smooth timeline out the, yeah. and all the, all the wrinkles and all the problems. Oh, wait, there's a different exp- Okay, done. Right. I, I heard all I need to hear. I'm That's good. Exa- right. That was, the, that was the realization process that I had had like 2003, 4, 5, yeah. 6, you know. Where I'm struggling, I'm struggling to make things match, yeah. make things work, and then it doesn't take much. You just read the right book, or something yeah. has to be said the right way, and suddenly everything just like, like a puzzle. Suddenly, click, it's all into place, and you're like, oh, that's why this and that and the other thing, and everything just yeah. clicks into place. Yeah, and then and then you know that's why I say like now I I understand. I understand Rambam. I understand Rashi. Right. I can. I, I listen to a freaking Daf Yomi Shia right now. Every, I'm, I'm. I'm listening to a podcast. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Sure. If you if you look at it as a historical uh, document, if you look at Rashi as a person of his time in the world he was in with the Masoira, so to speak, he had and all that. I get it. And I don't totally forget get it. the options that he had. That too, absolutely. It wasn't up to you in France in Christian France. You didn't get to choose to be an atheist. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, right, so, so fine. So, so then you, so you came to that realization right around that time or afterwards. No, right then. Yeah. I mean, it was because of the internet asifa that I suddenly started reading more, and and all these questions and problems I had had for all these years, the history didn't add up. Like nothing really made sense. The the way Orthodox Judaism is. Uh, and they build themselves as this like straight line, you know, straight from Avram Avinu right. to Moshe Rabbeinu down chain. to you know Chaim Kanievsky. Yeah, I knew it didn't make sense, but I didn't have the words for it. I, d- I wasn't reading yeah. real history books, and suddenly I'm discovering there's a whole world out there. There are people who study us from the outside, right. and and they can tell us in our language. They can explain us better right. than we explain ourselves, and and they make more sense right. taking everything I know. Right. And, uh, and, and it finally all clicked together, really, like overnight. I, the way I felt uh, about it was like, it's just like turning off a light switch because you cut off the flow of electricity, 
and suddenly nothing works. Like everything, right. everything uh, downstream from there right. turns off. I remember thinking of it like turning a corner. Like yeah. you turn a corner and suddenly, oh, <sighs> whole new. Every I, I <laughs> you see a whole. It's a whole different planet, but you see everything. Like oh. All, but it took two seconds. It, it's a long, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to get it's a there. long build up. But a second you make that turn, ah, you look around and suddenly everything clicks and makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so those to me, those are the two reasons. I saw the the kind of the rot at the bottom, uh, the foundation upholding this community. I remember reading like one of the things. It's kind of silly. It's not even like such a big question. But at the time, seeing it from that vantage point. It just like everything was crumbling. So, for example, right right before the Asifa, um, uh, uh, I'm in Shul Friday night. I'm already unhappy. I'm deeply involved in the Asifa. I'm online 18 hours a day right. about this, but I'm keeping Shabbos on sure. Shabbos. I'm not yeah. on there. Um, so I go to Shul Friday night, and I see these like little pamphlets about the Asifa. And so one of the things they said, they, they quoted in full um, – an editorial or an op-ed from the New York Times where one of the New York Times editors writes uh, about the problems with the internet, the, the problems it creates um, with attention span. He's like, right. my kids can't sit down and read War, uh, War and Peace or something like that right. um, because their attention span is so short, they're flitting from one thing to the other. So they put this in there as one of the arguments against right. the, the, uh, the the internet. And I'm like, wait a second, what? what? You can't. You don't get to quote the New York Times when it's convenient for you. Right, right. And besides, his argument has nothing to do with your argument against the the, the internet. Right. So, like, no, this is all a bunch of baloney, a bunch of, a bunch of noise. For you to get what you want, right? Yeah. yeah. That I, I as you, I mean, I was thinking about when you said about um, reading history. Like, I, I, we were all readers growing yeah. up. We all read whatever we could get our hands on, and I, I enjoyed history. Years later, I started reading real history, yeah. and that pissed me off. Yeah, I was like, "You, I this was a subject I loved, and you yeah. lied to me." Like right. I felt like I had the carpet, the rug pulled out of under me, and that pissed me off. And that was like, that was what you know. Yeah. that's what. And, and this remained. It's funny because you know I'm not sitting. I'm not trying to be a theologian or a philosopher. Right. But I have the things that I know, and based on that, I say, for example. I like to say this because it pisses people off. I don't have to have the most well-constructed argument for being an atheist right. or or for not or specifically for not believing in Judaism. I don't have to be like the world's top theologian, just like your average front person doesn't have to be in order to believe in it, right? right? right. I'd say um, you think um, you think Amuna Pshuta is, is the highest level of Amuna. Good for you. I have no Amuna Pshuta. <laughs> I think uh, Kfir Pshuta is the highest Kfir level Pshuta, of even better, Kfir, right? Right. right? Yeah. But so, but when you're forced to yeah. make an argument, this is what comes out. So shortly afterwards, when I stopped being from, my wife is like running around town frantically talking to rabbis and trying to uh, figure out what to do next. She talks to this rabbi and he says, um, the rabbi of young Israel in Beechwood, he says, you know, let me talk to him. Or, you know, so we come together or whatever. So we come to him together, to his house, mm -hmm. in his, in his, in his, uh, um, study. In his study. And what was my, what was my argument to him? It, it's, again, not this, like, foolproof argument. It's just my emotional argument is, 
when the when the Rabbanim banned uh, the set of books, the making of a gadol, right. a couple of years before, right. uh, less than ten years before that, um, you know what they're telling us? The Gemara says that the reason I can't quote this because actually I don't know where it is, so I could be misquoting, but I I, I kind of remember that the Gemara says um, that. The reason, how do we know that Harsinai happened? Because a father doesn't lie to his son, and it's just ben a straight ben, line, yeah. right? They, they were there. Your grandparents right. were there. Can't help it. It happened. Um, so I say, but they do. Right right in we're front of us. Happen. Right in front of our eyes. They don't, the Rabbanim don't even, they don't even bother saying that the book is full of lies. No, they don't, they don't even care to say that. They say no. The, the books the books are true. The stories in there are true, and that's why you know to tell can't, them. Can't talk about it. Right. We don't want to know. So if I don't know how uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky grew up a hundred years ago, and the people who told these stories are still alive, they told them to the author, and he wrote them down. Then what do I know about a um, thousand, two thousand, three thousand years yeah. ago? Yeah. What do I know about the Vilna Gaon? Right. I, I I don't. Everything I'm told is a bunch of lies. Yeah. Now, is that a true argument? I don't know. I'm not going to debate it. But that's how I felt. Yeah. And that's why I still feel that it's all constructed on a bunch I, of I, lies. It's similar. I remember thinking this is way early on. It was one of the one of the cracks, one yeah. of, you know, the, with the seams that started coming apart was the, was Satmer, the two brothers started oh, fighting. Yeah. Their father had died. I'm not Satmer, but right. I was aware of it. Sure. And, and I heard people talking about it. And that started to, like, soften up my my my... It view like I was thinking like okay he, these guys are big rebbers and they're chashuv blah 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 and overnight the Hasidim this side calls that one a shaygitz and the other one calls him a, a bum and blah 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 and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> I'm alive right now and to us it's easy for us to say oh it's all about money and politics and bullshit well what was yeah the last rebbe and the mm -hmm. rebbe before him and the rebbe before him and like did the people at the time think there were these untouchable characters? What was the original doing with his right. uh, gold golden carriage? Gold, right, yeah. gold shoes without a bottom, <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Sure. You know what right. I mean? Like, and that started to like soften up, made me able to question, like, maybe it's not so rock solid. Rock solid. Yeah. Right, yeah. So anyway, so then, so fine. So that's what happened. So you ended up leaving. I was long gone. And that also, I think, well, especially me, I was back physically. I was back in New York. So that helped like soften up the family started to realize like oh he's not crazy completely out of his mind right i was so, to contend with him you know right he's not we in north carolina right we can't ignore him Korea. any longer yeah right and uh, you know in 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 their um to their credit they've come around also sure a lot of us have also changed so it's not it's no longer me and everyone else right it's half of us <laughs> yeah or, or, or more, more. <laughs> <laughs> So I, oh, then, all the family secrets, <laughs> right, 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 or well, other people's secrets, <laughs> yeah, right. We don't want to get into that. But what I would, the, the the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is we've discussed this since then. Like, first of all, both of us, I discovered we we were very interested in in philosophy, hmm. um, yeah. but specifically, like, I, I I don't know the term for it, but like f like finding inner peace is one way hmm. I would I would describe it, yeah. like. I mean, so I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. We've we've exchanged books and like you should read this and yeah. you should check out that. And I've, I've you know taken a lot of your recommendations, but like, but but it's on my mind a lot for my own self. Like, for a long time, and I'm sure many people go through this evolution. Like, you know, 
well, okay, I'm not going to be a big Talmud Chacham. I'm not going to be a Rebbe. I'm going to be, I'm going to go work or I'm going to start a business. I want to be the best and the greatest right. and I want to be a millionaire and I want to be a big macher. And at some point, both in my own thinking and what I was reading and you know how much one, which one can contributes right. to the other, but, but the, in the cholent, the soup in my <laughs> head was like, I came to, ultimately I came to the, uh, place where, you know what? I don't want to be rich. Right. Because I don't, I don't want to pay the price that yeah. you have to pay. The time commitment, the, the hard work, the never being around your family, and just being a prick. And <laughs> if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd be very happy. I'd quit my job. I'd go to, I'd go to college. Like, you know, that's all I want. But I don't want to work 18 hours a day. The job I have now doesn't let me be at home as much as I want to be. You know what I mean? So, and, and I've heard from talking to you that you've also had something of, a, of a, an evolution in thinking. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts on that are. And, yeah. not, not, and not only on work, in, in life in general, I've come to the place where like, whether it's finances or anything else, I'd much rather be happy, as, as, as the Perky Avi says, as a, as a washer, washer. I just right. want to be just chill and calm and happy, satisfied. Pay, pay my bills, have a nice comfortable life, and I'm good. So what are your yeah. thoughts on all that? So yeah, I guess uh, I've thought about it a lot. Um, you know, there's there's a, a pasuk I think initially it says, "Adam la amal yulad," person right. was born to struggle. The, the Buddhism is almost uh, built on that life is struggle. Right. Um, but not struggles. Okay, that's that's Buddhism. But going back to the to, to Mishli, I, I saw this pasuk a, a long time ago, and I've come back to it many times because I would think. That's so. That's so ridiculous. I feel like we have to work because we have no choice. But, but why is that a good thing? Why do you want to embrace it? Wouldn't it be better if you won the lottery and and you could pursue something else? That's a very. It's a very American Protestant thing too. Like Pure, yeah. Protestant work ethic, and you yeah. have to you have to bust your ass and you have to work all day every day, which I've come to completely disavow and not agree with. But yeah, go on. Yeah, and 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 so I I. Uh, I, I would say the opposite. I started by not agreeing with it. I always thought it, it seemed uh, seemed uh, backwards and and uh, really just backwards priorities. I had I had similar um, desires, I guess, um, or ambitions. You want to be the best, and I think it's I, I do think it's actually a little unfortunate. Our education, everyone, at least in the U.S. I don't know what it's like elsewhere in other cultures. But definitely in our from world, and also I think it's true also in, in America, that our inspirations are always the top. Always right. like Jeff Bezos, nothing else will do, you know. Right. And if you're going to be, uh, if you're going f uh, to be a Talmud Chacham, you want to go all the way up there. You want to be the Rambam. You're never going to be the Rambam. Right. Um, and so it's it 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 leads to a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, disillusionment, right. because you're not going to get there, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that might be where the problem starts when 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 that's the uh, that's where that's where your uh, ambitions begin. Your expectations, right? Yeah. You're, it's going to end in disappointment. Right. Um, I should say also, like uh, you, you were starting to say that you disagree with um, the work thing. 
I, I, I should I should clarify. I've come to realize that that you know work also I, I don't know if you've read the book Bullshit Jobs. I no, I forget the author, but you can Google it. Um, I came to this realization, and especially now with coronavirus happening, it's become so stark that whatever the percentage is, but there's a huge, huge percentage of this country, especially not only this country, but like the what they call the the, the professional managerial class. Yeah, they're just pushing papers around. Sure. They're going meetings. Going to meetings about meetings about emails yeah. about meetings. It's just it's just oh yeah, and I've been in those the meetings. Right. Yeah. I got a tiny little taste of it for a little while, and I was fucking miserable. I right. couldn't stand it. And I call me a call me an asshole, but I do I I, I think that a large percentage of the um, the emotional problems we see in the in, in the country. It's not just the country. It's it's all wealthy quote-unquote, Western countries, you're seeing tons of depression, tons of uh, yeah. anxiety, yeah. whatever. We're spoiled. We have it so goddamn good that our inner monkey is restless and anxious and freaking the fuck out because we sit on a chair all day and, and send an email, and that's our life. Right. And so, on the one hand, it's good to be occupied. It's good to have goals. It's good to aim higher and to want to achieve things and work on those. But what I what I what I meant by what I don't what I've come to be against is being a slave to the dollar, being a slave to I need to make a little more, a little more. I need a bigger house. I need another car. I need that that yeah. endless churning. Yeah. Right. That I I question myself a little bit because I I, I want to make sure I'm not just making yeah, excuses. Being lazy, right. Right. But I truly do think. As long as you don't hate your job, which I don't, and you're making enough to pay your bills, which I do, and you have a, again, we we live in America, we live in a nice cushy life. As hard as it is sometimes, take a hot shower every night. Right, as hard as it can be, relatively speaking, we're doing fine. We're doing okay. We're gonna be fine, right? That's the place that I've come to, where find your nice, comfortable level. And then stop with the endless, I need more, I need more, I need more. I need more. Yeah. And also constantly comparing to everybody around you. Yeah. It's always a relative battle. It's a battle because I think we're wired to, to compare ourselves to others. For sure. We're social animals. So what I, I think what I've come to is, uh, look, I think the eternal question that, that everyone's always running away from or trying to run towards is, are you going to be happy on your deathbed when you look right. back? I don't know if that's the best question to ask because you live 80 or 90 years before you get to your deathbed. Right. How about now when you're sitting on your couch? The previous right? seven Are years. you happy now? Why do you have to be happy now for the future so that in the future you'll be happy when you look back on the right. past? It seemed, it's an odd uh, anxiety to have, I think, but we have it. And that's, I think that's a lot of what drives us. And, and, I, and I think that to, to answer that, what I say to myself is that I think the most basic, fundamentally human thing to do is to work for your food, mm -hmm. right? If you go back uh, before uh, uh, physically and, 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 and mentally, how much have we changed uh, from, from hunter-gatherers? Right. Probably not, not very much, yeah. right? Very, very little, if at all. So 
I think it's more human to be doing that, just to work for your food. But what happens is, and I found, when I found, um, it's, a, it's a famous, you know, the pyramid, uh, Abram Maslow's yeah. uh, hierarchy of needs. Um, when, I, um, when I studied that, and he's got this uh, incredible uh, paper that, where he lays out the framework for the, uh, for the pyramid, um, you should read it because in there, it's not just a pyramid. The pyramid itself is, uh, anyways, it, it, it's easy to look at and, right. and, and, and it's kind of intuitively makes sense. But when you read it, you see his argument for it. Uh, to me, that's almost a distillation of a lot of the best philosophies. Mm-hmm. By nature, we have a certain amount of capacity. Call it, let's say, one horsepower, if you will, yeah. of capacity to desire things. So if you start off all the way at the bottom, you have nothing, you're going to desire the Food, most shelter. basic. Right. Excuse me. Um, once that's taken care of, what he points out is, it's kind of a, almost an obvious thing um, after you hear it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, a need that's satisfied is no longer a need. If you've uh, safely, consistently had food and shelter um, for 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 a long time, and it's just and you, and for the foreseeable future, you're not you're not in danger of losing your food and shelter. Then your capacity for desire is now seeking something new. It's taken care of. So now it's looking for now something else. It's to... restless, like right. you said. It's yeah. restless, and 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 it's looking for something else to latch onto. And that is what, how you get to Jeff Bezos because it right. never ends. It never I, ends. I just if you don't stop it, right? If you don't, con- you have to. You like, have to be aware to it. Yeah. You, right. The awareness is the first step. Being aware of what's going on in my head. You know, I I, I only notice this because I, I as I learn to be introspective. I, I I think I'm lucky that I'm not wired for just constant anxiety or stress. Like if everything's good i'm good you know what i mean but 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 when i did get stress i notice it because i don't have it not stress but like you know there's certain people who have anxiety all the time so yeah. they almost don't even notice it or that sure. that's just their normal yeah when i would get anxious it it was noticeable notice it, I'm like, yeah. something's wrong right so i have to figure it out but i just recently read um or i should say i listened to the book i listened to the audiobook uh called the stoic the stoic challenge or something mm-hmm. and like oh, yeah. they they point out that your your brain is wired to trick you. Mm-hmm. So like you said, once your food and shelter is taken care of, he's still hungry. Yeah, your inner lizard is like <laughs> go 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 go. Even right. though your basics are met, and so you have to learn how to how to how to deal with that. How to how to deal with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Look, you know, uh, uh, recently I became a runner. I started running. And as soon as I got bitten by the bug, I started running a lot, <laughs> and um, and and I find it such a funny pursuit. Like, why run? What an odd thing! You 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 go out of your house, run a few miles, and come back to your house sweaty and right. tired, uh, right back where you started, and you right. accomplish nothing. And, and you used I used to joke in the army, like, "No one's chasing you. What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I'm totally uh, you know talking out of my ass here, but I feel like. Um, this this uh, sport of running is this is a Western uh, middle class sure. um, yeah. sport, and I feel like the reason it exists is because 
according to some historians or whoever, I don't even know who they are, believe that the reason humans can run so much or so far is because we would Outrunning chase animals. Right, yeah. right. So running is built into us physiologically. We needed it to, 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 to chase eat. food. Now we're desk workers right. sitting and doing what's really ultimately even more meaningless. Right, right. <laughs> and we want to do something with all that extra energy, and we want to do something... Um, Really, I guess we well, just want to burn up. Yeah. We, we need a challenge. That's yeah. what it is. Why do you climb the mountain? Because it's there. So <laughs> right. It's, that's it. We we invent the challenge called right. a marathon or right. run a mile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're not challenged in any other way. We right. have plenty of food in the refrigerator. Our and, rent and is yet paid. We're still so that monkey in us is hungry. Right. And what got me started on it, and I suspect many many other runners, is a lot of unhappiness. Like you're just casting about. You know what? I spent five or so years blowing energy and uh, uh, just everything, all my uh, attention and everything on social media. Right. Uh, that went nowhere, and I became very, really un- dissatisfied with that. That's a whole... What do I whole, replace it with? That's a whole other right. conversation to social course, media, sure. for sure. But what do I replace it with? It, there aren't that many options. I'm not sitting and studying Gamora all day. Right. I can, sure, but I don't, I'm not interested enough to do it. So, so you look for something. If you believe that that's super meaningful, then that's what you do. Right. And you say... That's your pursuit. Right. right. You're right. Your inner lizard, monkey, whatever you call it, needs it needs something to chase. Right. And you could take drugs to fill your time and fill all your... You're putting excess it to sleep. mental, uh, uh, you know, capacity. Right. Um, or you could do something that's kind of meaningless, but also harmless. But you're pursuing something. Yeah. It's, and it's physically healthy. So right. all around, it's a good... Um, right. I mean, you I and I, pursuit. speaking of social media, we were both, I can yeah. say, we were both big machers in our, we were big yeah. fish in a small pond. Yeah. Um, you were a big fish. I was a... Uh, and it was, it was fun. I had a good time yeah. for a while. But eventually, I didn't like, I didn't like what I was seeing in myself yeah. when I looked in the mirror, yeah. my uh, Facebook mirror yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? I didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like what I was seeing from others and I didn't like what I was seeing for myself and I, I kept thinking about how can I change the way I do things or the way Facebook is or how right. do I use it differently ch- right yeah. and, I, and I kept trying to change this and change that and, and, and eventually I realized it's it's a feature not a bug <laughs> right and and that's when I killed it and walked away and I've never been happier yeah and it's also part Partly due to my day job, which is driving all day. You can't be. No, but I feel like you were just saying. I fill my day with, like I mentioned, I listen to a Dafyomi podcast. I, th- I love it. Shabbos? We're in the middle of Shabbos now. Yeah. Uh, I know my wife listens to Dafyomi too. Does she really? Yeah, she started uh, with Brachas this this cycle. I can I can approach it as a enough of an outsider that it doesn't. None of the none of the silliness bothers yeah. me. I can laugh at it when yeah. they're talking about like like just last week, you know, like what are the two most useless things in the world? One of them is period blood and something else are, like the weird shit that they talked about and said and clearly not true or I, I, to me that's I'm looking at a historical document and and I'm cool with that. Sure, Great. Why not? Doesn't but bother I'm, you. I mean, right. <laughs> 10 years ago I couldn't I couldn't oh, get on I your nerves. Right? I would piss get me off. Get on your skin. Right, exactly. So 
but but I I I fill my day with audio books and podcasts, and it and and it that's part of it is the pursuit. I'm 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 making my brain happy by just listening and thinking and philosophy. I'm not really accomplishing anything other than my brain is happy and fed. Yeah. And and I and I'm I've never been happier. I I, I said this when Trump won. I was like, Trump's reign, you know, is going to be terrible for the country, but it's going to be very good for me. <laughs> just because I knew I I knew the path I was heading in. It had nothing to do with you know him him forget him. I just knew that these years I knew the the way my emotional and actual f- practical life was heading was going to be good and it and it worked out i'm i've never been happier being off social media. I, I don't want to know that you're half a nazi i i i, I ignorance is bliss yeah. i don't want to hear your psychotic disgusting opinions yeah it's bad enough the ones that i'm forced to yeah see in person or something like that i don't need to know that my the guy who was in my third grade in Veen is a dickhead. I, I, I'm happier not knowing. Right. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me. You track me down if it's important. Yeah. And uh, my life has never been better. Yeah. Same here. I, I, over the years, I had gone off of Facebook because I felt it was like uh, it, it, t- it took up too much. I, I felt like I was, uh, I gave Facebook. I invested in Facebook. Right. I mean, right. We, everything yeah. we put on there gave it value, and, and made it a valuable sure. company. Um, and I got very little in return. I met a lot of interesting people through there, and I and I even made a couple of, of friends that that remained friends in real life. But that's it. Those right. friends that remain in real life, those are the real friends. Everyone else I met is uh, were interesting, good conversations. But you're not going to have a thousand friends. No one has a thousand friends. Right. You know. I could count on supposedly the I'd number supposedly the number is 100 or 150 is what we're wired for that's what they say clans are right, right, right. right like yeah but um, I, but I was the same thing I I've met some of the most important people in my life but it served its purpose for the f- several years and and, it, and then it outgrew it and, and those people are important to you and they're still here right exactly Facebook. they became real right. actual friends right so I got what I needed out of it and and it was time to say goodbye and which is one of the reasons i wanted to do a thing like a podcast because it's it forces you to slow down yeah it it's first of all long-form conversation instead of three you know uh, bite size yeah, yeah. like you, you you put up a post in 10 seconds without thinking about it and then you're arguing and fighting in the comments and now you have to defend what you half-assedly wrote that right. you may or may not even like it's just it just it turns ugly right as we all know here and then there's a steer between what you wrote now and what and you, wrote you wrote three last years week ago. yeah and then you need to go to a mayor's share to figure <laughs> it out <laughs> to make make sense of it all right. right so this first of all it's it's long form you don't say something in two sentences and you're done long form you can tease it out it also, it's not like I have to comment all day, every day on what just happened 10 seconds ago or look what idiotic thing Trump did now or fuck you for supporting him because... I, no, you you might not hear this for three months. It's slow, it's, it's more deliberate and thought out and that's, that's, that's why I'm hoping I can make something more... First of all, more me. Yeah. You know, instead of being this caricature, 
and being just more thoughtful. You know what I mean? So that's what yeah. that's what brings us here. Yeah, yeah, same here. So I, I so ultimately I uh, shut down my Facebook account um, almost two years ago. Once and for all, I deleted it. And I remember that was surprisingly hard. Although I guess it shouldn't be surprising. It was it was hard to hit that delete button. I think I had to you know type delete. You have to you have to say it several know, confirm, times. And then it's sure? still going to sure? be Are there. You, you sure you're sure? Yeah, <laughs> and the data is still here for another thirty right, days. Right. You have to reconsider. Um, I had shut down. I deactivated the account for de- off uh, and on a, a month times. at a time. Yeah. But but that was it. I made up my mind. This is it, and and I'm deleting. Uh, you know all this history. I think I downloaded a copy. I downloaded a copy. I did. Yeah. It's all right. You know, I've never opened break. it, but it's there. Yeah, exactly. All these wonderful conversations in in my messenger um, posts, which are mostly worthless. Maybe right. some pictures. It's it's not all. It's not garbage. I don't want to be engaged in it anymore. I don't want it to have a uh, direct line into my vein (laughs) anymore. That was it, right. That was one of the ways I thought of it, was like, I have this megaphone, (laughs) and sometimes I use it for good, but a lot of the time it's just me making noise because I can't. And I didn't, like, I I knew I had the megaphone and I didn't want to have it. And people ask me, like, oh, why don't you just deactivate? No, I'm done. I'm completely and utterly done and I'm not coming back. One of the things I realized that it, it... all the way at the end when I decided to, to, to delete it was, besides for the addictive uh, nature of it, which is by design, and right. I was, I was, I was, I, I worked on software, and I know that it's by design, and I know the kind of uh, mental hacking that, that, that goes into the yeah. design. But besides for that, one of the problems I found with it was, I found how unnatural these conversations are. In the real world, um, just as an example, if you've moved on from your high school friends, maybe 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 that's fine, right? <laughs> Why reconnect? And you're still trying to make a uh, a coherent. You're trying to put together a coherent person or or character mm-hmm. online that makes sense from who you were in fucking Popechader. Who you were the and way, who they were right all the way till now. Yeah. In real life, not in our world, but in you know, for many people, they might have a high school reunion once every ten years. That's normal, okay? Yeah. Being friends with your with all your high school friends right. every day <laughs> right. for 30 and, years, and that's not normal. And seeing their every thought and right. what they had for breakfast. You're trying to connect everything. Or, or take another example. There are people who in real life, in the past, I would put on a yarmulke when I saw them. Right. Um, but the rest of the time, I'm not wearing a yarmulke. Now, if I'm friends with them on Facebook... I have to choose, A, whether I should be friends with them on Facebook, and B, do I post on Shabbos? Right. So now this doesn't make any sense. In in real life, there are barriers, there are separations, and you're allowed to like be a little be different around different here, people, right. yeah. and, and that's normal. We all do that, and that's how you live. Um, but, Code switch yeah, in all these different ways. Right, right. But, so I thought Facebook uh, sort of friendships and the whole thing is actually unnatural and yeah. and and it's and maybe that's why there's so much tension and that's why it causes so much anxiety you're trying to make sense of things you've got you're trying to be too many things right. for to too many people right and then you end up unfriending family members or right. or cursing them out right yeah it just doesn't make any sense right why do this yeah right right it's funny because i i know for a fact i was the cause of that kind of tension to other people. And then eventually 
I realized it was making me unhappy. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm slow. I, I mean, eventually I catch on, but sometimes you know. So so yeah. that's it. That's where we are now. This is why I'm I'm doing a podcast. I I didn't want to disappear. Yeah. But I needed a. I needed a, I needed to walk away from Facebook. I'm on Instagram and I'm deliberately boring. I'm on Twitter. I don't follow almost any. I follow the news headlines and, and don't tweet. And I like I I don't I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm up on the news. I know what's going on in the world, but I don't need to know what every Tom, Dick, and Harry's opinions are. I don't right. need to know every five seconds what the latest idiocy is. Like I'm happy not knowing. I'm happy not seeing. I'm happy not commentating. I you know. Three years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, my brain was always looking for, right. oh, that would make a funny tweet. That yeah. would make a funny comment. Here's how I would spin this and make that funny. Or this is yeah. what I would say. Or, ooh, I'm pissed off about. As soon as I killed my account, it wasn't like I had to tell my brain to go to sleep. Instantly, I wasn't thinking of 16 posts a day. I you turn wasn't, off that light switch. It was done. It was right. gone. Right. It, it was very strange to me because now... Once a month, I'll have a thought like, ooh, that would have been a great post. But other than that, it's not in my mind. Yeah. I don't miss it. I don't think about it. Yeah. It's just... And if you really want to put something out, you can make a podcast, write right. a, an essay. Yeah. Um, Long form. You know, put some work into it. Right. Edit. Think about it. You know, sleep on it. Re-edit. Right. It makes it... A, you're, it's different. Yeah. You're a different there, animal. There, there is this great article in The New Yorker a bunch of years ago from, I think, Nomi Klein, who's a, who's a memoirist. Right. She wrote like three three memoirs i don't know how how that's possible but uh, <laughs> maybe she lived three lives chapters um, she wrote this uh this article in new yorker saying no social media is not memoir and what her argument was that people think many people think that they're putting down all this stuff in social media like a diary. as it's happening right and then they'll come back to it and, and build their memoir off it and she says no number one all these things that you think are important at the time most of the time, rarely, these things turn out to be unimportant. These yeah. are not the turning points of your life. Right. Um, and secondly, you're, you're um, I don't even remember all the arguments, but, 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 yeah, no, I and and I believe it. It's not. You're not sitting and reflecting on anything. You're 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 reacting in the moment right. all the time, trying to trying to be on the cutting edge of uh, having having. A, that was another take. thing. That was, right. That was another thing that I realized. And there was a, a part of the impetus was like every time something would happen, I would have an instant reaction and I, I'd make a joke about it or I give my take. And then I realized you're not that original. You're right. not that smart. Seven million other people had the same right. thought, made some variation of the same joke. And I just found yeah. myself thinking like, I'm just, you're, what are you so excited about? Yeah. Like. You and 12 million other people wrote right. the same thing. You think you have a megaphone? I mean, right. if everyone has a megaphone, then uh, no one has a megaphone. Right. Everybody's <laughs> screaming, and you're not that original. So, and just, you're not accomplishing anything. And, and it goes along with being, you know, immersed in the news. It's nothing you can do about it. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. Knowing minute by minute what dumb thing Trump did. or Oh, what, yeah. It's terrible. It, it it is aggravating, and for what? Yeah, I for mean, what? this reminds me of a of a of a kind of funny, um, but serious little essay by E. B. White. Um, actually, probably also in the New Yorker, but I read it in a collection. So, isn't he from the um, the the writing guide? 
Yes. I know that the, name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 he, yeah. he edited uh, yes. White and Strunk. Okay. Yeah. Strunk, yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, Strunk was his teacher, and he first wrote he it, but E.B. White right. added to it and, uh, and yeah. republished it. Um, so he was a really exceptional writer. Uh, and and he, he had a house in Maine, and he loved he loved going there. He was there whenever he could, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of being in New York. So, so he wrote this thing saying some hurricane. This is like in the fifties, if I remember correctly, like nineteen fifty two, I think. Um, some hurricane was coming towards, um, or a storm. I don't know if it's a hurricane, yeah, but it's a storm sure. coming in towards uh, toward, towards Maine. And, and, and he talks about how, like, the radio is talking about this, you know, 24 hours in advance. And yeah, everyone, everyone runs out to stock up and board up their windows and get candles and whatever. He's like, the torture you go through. Right. The storm is going to last for an hour. But they're talking about it for 24 hours. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and that's what I mean, that's, we see that. We see that again. And, we see and it it's so much worse. Coronavirus. Of course. Oh, of course. God. Yeah. Right. So that's our story. I'll get I'll get into all the all the every every one of those anecdotes oh anecdotes that pick up the strand. Each one of those is going to be its own rabbit hole and its own story and its own episode. But for now, that was Ari and Ellie Mandel. 